Hello, and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. Well, it's exciting. It's uh, boat show season. Yeah, let's go to a boat show. <laughs> Um, which is where we sort of fell in love with our boat, and so it brings back memories. There hasn't been some some boat shows recently because of COVID, so it's cool that. Um, I think we fell in love on the internet. That that may be true. And then it was just the validation. We rationalized our going to the boat decision. show. You see it, and then you see it next to smaller boat and you're like oh yeah no that's better yeah i mean i think the first or second podcast after i did kind of the introductory one was called first fall in love with the boat i think that was the whole point of like what are you going to build your financial plan about so um we've been thinking about this you know what topic would be useful for people who are planning to go on boat shows and what don't we, fall in love with the boat no you have to fall in love with the boat well, because after, that makes it tangible yeah exactly and that's kind of what we want to. and um by the way we're not saying we're regretting our decision or anything like that we're just like wanting to net it out on what we think you should be armed with if you're going to a boat show yeah because what's been happening over the past two seasons you're around people with different boats and different views on what they look for yeah and then you you're thinking about all these things yeah. and we never had really that opportunity yeah we will go to well it was our first boat we bought yeah we would look at the internet you know but we're in the middle of this so we're trying to share some of the things that that we've been able to talk about with other people on different boats so the one thing i think that you have to really come to terms with especially if you're a sailing couple is the trade-offs between comfort and performance. I, you have to know where you are on that spectrum. And so that's really what we want to talk about today. You know, and, and the simplest way to think about it is, are you thinking about the boat as a home or are you thinking about the boat as a sailboat? And we're going to kind of go through um, some role-playing here. I'm going to take the position of, you know, I'm looking at it as a home. Sailing's nice when we can do it, but it's really for the purpose of travel and for us to have a place to stay when we go around. And you're going to take it from the perspective of, of performance. We're also um, not going to discuss topics that have to do with table stakes, like is the boat safe or seaworthy? Is it high quality? Can you repair it? Kind of basic quality and safety things we're not going to talk about. We're just going to assume that that's table stakes for any boat you're looking at. Um, And for the purpose of just illustrating some specific points, we wanted to give two examples. So we're obviously going to use our boat as an example because we know our boat. So we took a um, a boat that would lean more on the performance side, just as a sake of comparison, that is about the same length. And once it's all said and done, uh, pretty much around the same budget, there's, you know, people can argue it's more expensive or less expensive or whatever. But so just for the sake of argument, we are comparing the Sona 47 with the Ochamira 45, which is actually the same length as our boat. Uh, no, it's a 48 foot 48 foot boat. So, and one foot is, it says so not 47, but it's really a 46. Okay, so, so anyway, we're time, trying to just keep it real yeah. and give examples. Um, big disclaimer uh, here is you know, this is a, a wide spectrum, so where you land on this spectrum is entirely up to you. But we wanted to have the debate 
so you are armed with having had this conversation at home before you go to a boat show or before you kind of start engaging with um, brokers because um, it's really important um, I think for both people to be on the same page, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, it's yeah. essential. I mean, yeah, because otherwise you're going to be like, maybe one person who wants more of a home is like let down. You know, if you get more of a performance, both is a little more, you know, austere. You know, so I think these are the things to discuss. It's just like buying a home, yeah. a house. Like, yeah. You know, you have. I mean, it's a little easier. A house is a house, and as opposed to, I don't know, maybe it's. Yeah, different criteria <laughs> too, but you know the couple yeah. needs to agree on, yeah. on which house in the end, and, and you have to compromise here yeah. and there. But sometimes and it might not be good to compromise on certain criteria, exactly. like performance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's have this debate now. Um, one other little disclaimer is we're like half a boat length from from the shore. We're in this beautiful bay in Gochak. We've been here three days. We'd never want to leave. If you come to Turkey, just come here straight away. And and there's tons of nooks and crannies and and services and everything like that. Um, But we do have a boat that's next to us that has been playing their music all day, which is awesome. Um, But you might hear that in the background. And then also, yeah, it's it's nice. Um, And then we're kind of at what we call like rush hour, which is when all the boats kind of figure out where they want to tuck in for the night. So you might hear boats coming in and out too as they try to fi- figure out that there's no rocks for them to put their stern lines. <laughs> so that's what's going on. Um, okay, so why don't we start with you talking about what you mean by performance? Because I think people may have a certain thing in their mind about what that means. Yes. So stick with me. <laughs> we're not talking about... What do you mean by performance? Yeah, we're not talking about racing boats. So how we're going to use the word performance here in this context is performance cruising. And so what that means, it's not, I want the fastest boat to go from point A to point B. This will be like a gunboat or H&H will be like a carbon boat, super light, super long, like super thin and um, really designed to race or go fast. That's the goal. Here we're talking about performance cruising. So on the spectrum, it's kind of, uh, we're going to use, as Holly said, the Automer as an example. So what we mean by performance cruising is to be able to maintain a high speed average over a period of time. So maybe Over a whole season even, you know, like just generally season is that what you mean no well i mean as you do longer passages shorter passages as you get around yeah, like you're, no, you're no. not talking about one day sailing and you yeah, hit a top speed even, even one day like can you maintain a nine ten knots comfortably over like a um, 10 hour passage which you might do during the day because you want to go from this island to this island and it might make the it might be that you know with the performance cruising boat you might be like, hey, we can easily go nine, ten knots. We'll get at the end of the day where we want to be and we'll be at anchor in the marina. Versus if you have like a, more of like a front end Peugeot 47, it might be that you have to spend a night um, at sea and get there in the morning. Right. So, and what you hear in the background is some, some people... Some snorkelers right next to our boat. So yeah. they get to be on the podcast too. So, so that's, that's... And it's, you know, it could be for a day, but it could be for like a three-day passage. It could be for a crossing. 
can you basically those type of boats will be able to maintain a 9 10 knots average of boat speed obviously they can go faster a little slower but on average you'll you'll do a crossing a passage over yeah. 9 10 knots versus a boat like the Fountain Pajol Xana will be like maybe six, seven. Right. And it doesn't sound like much. It's like, oh, it's only like, you know, three knot difference. Well, that's 50%. Right. You know, that's the difference. So you're between. not talking about high speed. You're talking about low speed, really, is what you mean. You mean the ability to sail with a bigger range of wind, I guess. Yes. The, it's, it's, if I made a parallel to a car, um, you know, you don't need... Um, like if if, yeah. if you get a fast car like a Porsche, with Porsche it would be more like you know the the gunboat I would say, but if you get like a Mercedes, for example, I don't know something like a BMW, like a you you'll cruise comfortably to where you want to go. But if you need within the reason the law the limit of the law, <laughs> if you need to go fast, you know for acceleration because you need to pass uh, somebody change lane, or you need. You know, on the highway, you can maintain 130 miles per hour. Or you want to go for a jury wide every now and then. Yeah, yeah. then you can do right. that. And you might have some reason at times to do this. So what we're talking about is really be able to maintain a high average speed uh, over a period of time. You know, in different from, conditions. In different yeah. conditions, yeah. Yeah, okay. With the potential to go much faster if you need to. Right. That's what we're talking about here with performance cruising. Right. And doing this in a comfortable way because if the boat can go 15 knots but you decide to go 9, 10 knots you're going to reef the sails the boat will be under low stress the crew will be under low stress and you'll cruise comfortably yeah. to where you want so that's what we mean by performance cruising mm -hmm. we're not we don't mean racing boat okay so I'm going to start just to take a position so I think our again this is the role play here I think the boat should feel like a home. You know, like, it. you're basically living on it. So I don't want to live in a space that feels like a boat, like it's stripped out, like it. it I can't relate to my living environment. Um, I want to have guests and have them come and enjoy it. And um, I want a reasonable living space. You know, I don't want to feel like I'm, um, you know, bent over a sink to wash my hair. You know, like, I want to feel like... A shower is a nice shower, you know, the fixtures are nice, like what I would like to enjoy being around. And so the design's important, the living space is important, you know, it is a home. Yes, and performance cruising boats can be a home. They have all the amenities. You have showers and bathrooms <laughs> and seats. Some are bigger and smaller than others, and, yes. Um, um, yeah, so... But we're talking about catamarans, yeah? So in, in the past, cruising on a monorail, 40 to 50 feet, was like what people thought was the norm, to go cruising comfortably. Now, we basically are cruising with two monohulls with plenty of comfort. And those performance cruising boats, well, they are two monohulls, so there's plenty of space for friends. But first, we buy the boat for us, not for friends. <laughs> and... We're the ones living on the boat 98% of the time. And when we have friends, they're happy to come on the boat. And Well, any boat, I think some people would be any happy. Boat. Yeah. So, so I, think, um, I think I'm not... I think those performance cruising boats offer all the necessary amenities and comfort um, that a regular cruising boat offers. 
Yeah. I think it just depends on the finishes of the boat, you know, and, um, you know, what's available, you know, like in things like creature comforts. So, for example, you know, I would like a washing machine and I would like a television and I would like proper refrigeration and things to cook with and, and things like that. So, I mean, that's important. It should feel like a functioning home to me. And at least, you know, when it comes to livability, uh, preparing meals, sleeping, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, where there will be a compromise, I mean, I agree that will be the, the, the salon won't be as big because those performance cruising boats, they want to center the, the weight kind of at the middle of the boat. And, and so, I mean, and first also they need to eliminate weight as much as possible. So there's the materials, there is the fabrication, but also, you know, if you can build a salon that is uh, smaller or the halls that are narrower, uh, then obviously you save weight. So, yes, you'll compromise on the livability of the salon. You might compromise on the livability of the cockpit. Um, but if the boat's longer, if the hulls are longer... Why do they have to be so narrow anyway? Uh, no, I mean, to get a performance cruising boat, it's basically, there are basic criteria. There is the length of the hull. The longer the boat, the faster the boat. Um, there'll be the shape of the hull. So the you want thin bows and hulls, so there's minimum drag in the water. You want a light boat. Um, so the materials, fabrication, and and then... You know, uh, so you want a light boat, and the other thing I will add for the performance cruising boat is um, you want dagger boards, so you can sail upwind, uh, almost similar to a monohull versus a uh, production catamaran boat will not sail upwind. You'll motor sail at best. So, so they they are as long. They might have a smaller living space in your your in the cabins in the bathroom, in the cockpit, in the salon, but it has all these spaces. They're just going to be a little bit more small. <laughs> well, this is what I don't understand. Like, if you're spending the same amount of money, you're getting everything smaller, like, and less ability to have less things on it because weight's an issue. So the holes, the holes might be longer, but there's less space to put stuff. And, you know, you're spending the same amount of money for less things. So, you know, what's the issue with the weight and the length of the holes and all that? Like, why? It's a trade-off, yeah. So, you'll need, the boat is going to be designed to be light, and they are going to expect you, or you, if you buy one of these boats, you should expect that you're going to keep it as light as possible. So, um, there's many things you can add over time into a house, into a boat. Uh, you're going to have to be thinking about it when you load it up the first time. And over time, you're going to have to make sure that you keep only the things that are essential. Maybe you use like every day or almost every day or, you know, the, um, you know, stuff like this. So, but the trade-off, it's going to offer you a boat that, you know, can sell. So... But let's talk about the weight for a minute because that's like a big deal. Like the the weight of the boat has everything to do with the performance. Yes. Um, because it's physics, right? So let's well, talk not, about not everything, but that's that's once the boat is designed, any boat, 
it's going to they're going to design those boats with if they are performance cruising boats they're going to design it with narrow hulls and they're going to on their side they'll do the, whatever they can to design a light boat and then they'll give you like example so if we're talking about a Neutromer 45 which is a 48 foot boat uh, the light displacement is 8.7 ton. So, so light displacement means out of the factory with nothing, nothing, none of your stuff on it or things you add later. That's what that means, right? Yeah, it has just the mainsail, the jib or genoa. It has the engine. It won't have any fuel. It won't have any water. So, um, factory boat empty is basically what it means. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. You, if you add sales afterwards, if you add fuel, water, and you have your personal stuff, and you add options, that becomes part of the, okay, uh, so the, the extra. So the Ochermir 45 is 8.7 tons mm-hmm. out of the factory empty. And then they have... The heavy de- displacement is 11.1 tons. So basically, what they're saying is the boat is designed a certain way that you can add... 2.4 tons of options, of personal stuff, whatever. And then we guarantee that the boat is going to maintain optimum performance, performance uh, because it's been designed this way. The boat will sink to a certain point just, and, and it will still be... A you boat. mean lower in the water, not Lo- sink. Yeah, not sink. Yeah, <laughs> lower in the water, it will still be performing at a certain rate. Mm-hmm. If you add another ton, then... The boat is definitely it's still going to sail. It's just diminishing returns. Like you yes. know, that's not the boat that you set out to purchase yeah. at that point. And then you're going to why spend the money? And right. then you're going to be disappointed. So, so that's 2.4 tons. And people might be thinking like, "Whoa, that's a lot of sounds weight. like a lot of weight." Yeah. But once you add options and all the stuff that you know, the code goes, zero, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, you know, the sails, the rigging, yeah. the um, you know. Then it adds up pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. you need to be aware of that. Just to give for comparison purposes, um, a Sauna 47, the light displacement is 14 tons. and uh, Which is almost tons. almost twice what the Ochmere 45 is. Yeah, 14.7 tons, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and then the heavy displacement is like 20 tons. So you can basically add 5.3 tons. So... That's why you can basically add a generator, you can add, you know, air conditioning, you can add, you know, compressor, compressor, dive tanks, extra fridge. And, and, you know, the boat, it has a much more capacity. I mean, that's twice, that's over twice as much, right? Basically, yeah. Yeah. 5.3 tons on the Sona versus 2.4 tons on the 45. Now... It doesn't mean because you got a front-end Peugeot 47, you can load five tons on it. Like, if you don't put the AC, the generator, all the things, you don't put them, the boat will remain lighter, will sail better. So mm-hmm. you can also do the same exercise with any boat you have and just make sure that you you want some something that performs as best as possible. But That's it, where the shape of the holes come in. Yeah, yeah. But, if you, but once you bought this boat then you can make it as light as possible. It's never going to sail the same way, you know, um, as an Outremer, for example. And, you know, we're talking about weight, and then there's the distribution of weight. There are many other criteria. But. Mm-hmm. So, um, so those are, like, the, the dilemmas. Right. And, you know, some of these performance boats do have, like, you could look at, um, and other 
podcasters and things have compared boats and you can look at all those, but things just get crazy on, um, on price, you know, like they can get crazy fast. So you can get a really big boat, even the Ochamere 55, which is a really nice boat and it has a lot of cool stuff. Um, it's, ex- it's still expensive. Like it's way beyond, um, you know, kind of the, 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 uh, cruiser budget for for a new boat for people that are buying new boats and that's really you know the context of what we're talking about um so it, it seems like you know when you start adding you know length creature comforts even if you offset it with carbon and all of these other things to keep the boat light on a kind of more performance oriented boat um it just it blows up your budget really quickly so i think that's that's something to think about so what else on the performance side is important? So basically, like, you're buying a sailboat, not not a home, not a motor yacht. So the assumption is like, well, I know there is the dream of sailing and you can have like a sunset sail and it's, it's beautiful and enjoyable. And, and it is. And, and it is, yeah. And you can do this in any sailboat. But... Um, basically, the reason I'm pushing for performance cruising is I want to be able to sell. And what I mean by this, um, because as long as you have a mass in sales, you can sell anything. But what I mean by this is like, okay, if there is like five knots of wind, like we don't sell, we motor. Mm-hmm. If there is five knots of, knee, of wind, I'd love to be able to raise the main, put whatever sales, like for sale, and, and then just move around five knots that would be like because it's a sailboat i want to be able to move with the power of the wind so that would be like really nice otherwise let's buy a motor yacht because now they do motor yachts catamaran motor yachts with thinner hulls also and and you know you get rid of the the mast and the yeah boom but that's like an sail- all or nothing position right i mean i guess that's why you're making the point is you know like like with this boat the the 47 um yeah i mean we're motoring in in lower wind you know but like you said we're not really in a hurry and then when we sail it's fine we can sail you know i think the thing that can get cumbersome is um the it's it's not necessarily easy to work with a bunch of different sails all at the same time if you have double-handed crew um so you know you have to kind of be it it just takes a little bit longer to put things up and down and this and that and i feel like you know if you wanted to kind of scratch that itch you could go rent a dinghy or a hobie cat or a j-boat we've been to marinas where they do this in the off season um to get that fix you know i mean is it necessary to live on a you know a boat that you have to sail like all the time Yes, because you can do both. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I mean, obviously, love to sail, come from a racing background, just want to experience that feeling of the water going through, or the boat going through the water, like, more. You have a joy for it, yeah. Yes, and, or, you know, little puffs of wind, and you have this acceleration, and you're tweaking the sails and you get like a couple knots, well, that might be a lot, but, or you change sail. 
it's also something that keeps you like busy and, and interesting and, and challenging. And then when you, when you get to the other side, you're like, oh, that was cool. You know, it's so, not what kiteboarding's for. Uh, well, kiteboarding <laughs> is different. It's for acceleration, like for yeah. uh, so. So it's like, and and what you were saying, yeah, it's 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 a commitment. It's more work, um, but and that's why you want also a performance cruising boat because. They're lighter. They don't need as bigger sails as like a boat like ours. If we want, because it's heavy, I guess is so the sails are bigger on our boat. If you want to be able to move yeah. the boat, you want bigger sails. If those boats, they might have big sails to go fast, but uh, you can also have like lighter sails, and they're not as maybe heavy like the main or the Genoa or yeah. something, you know, because. They, they don't need to be that big in some cases, or you can reef them. Mm-hmm. And you need to set up the boat in a way that it's easy to sail. So and it handles all that power. I mean, it's pretty, like when it's windy and we have f- full sails, it's like, whoa, there's a, a lot could go wrong quickly. Yeah, you need to yeah. know what you're doing and be, and be on top of it because, but that's what it requires. Like when, you know, if we want our boat to be alive and go to like seven, eight knots, mm-hmm. you need, you know, the bigger wind and the bigger sails. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it is. You know? mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, the other reason is you don't need to go fast, as, as I was explaining all the time, but you might need to go fast sometimes um, because you want it because it's fun um, but you might need to go fast because you don't want to spend another night at sea and you know that you know that last day of your passage if you have good wind and you push the boat and you're like for you know uh, the next 12 hours you'll get to the marina to your anchorage and you have a good night's sleep and or it might be that, you know, there is a weather system that is coming and you want to be able to then, you know, push your boat to maybe maintain not an average of 9, 10 knots, but now an average of 12, 13 or 15 knots. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a safety factor. That's uh, for many reasons. You might need to have that extra push. Yeah, but isn't that what it. engines are for? I mean, isn't that the whole point? So, yeah, you can use your engine. But, like, if you use the engines... Um, you're going to be cruising like maybe eight, nine knots. Like you use both engines mm-hmm. um, and you're doing, I don't know, I will have to look at the details, but you're doing like 2100 RPM plus. You know, maybe you push to like 25. I mean, um, yeah, you'll be moving, I don't know, my guess will be like between eight and nine mm-hmm. you're not going to be moving at 12 13 and it's a lot of diesel that's a lot of diesel yeah. and and you know if something goes wrong with your diesel yeah. uh, that's an issue uh, with your diesel engine or something but but you're not going to be able to get those speeds in the double digit speed and sustain them mm-hmm. um, now you have on a performance cruising boat you'll have the sails that will allow you to potentially go much faster like in double digits comfortably and if you need to use the engines, you'll be able to do that too because, you know, the, the hulls, the overall, what we talked about, the criteria mm-hmm. that define a performance cruising boat will also apply when you're motoring. Now you're like, you know, you can, I mean, you, you'll, you'll be able to go faster and there is obviously some physics involved and you'll only be able to go so fast, but you'll be able to do that as well if like, you know, and, uh, but with with less or RPM yeah. or with the same RPM, you'll go a little bit faster. What was interesting to learn, too, when we were talking to people that have um, 
you know, these boats, um, is the engines are smaller because the boat's lighter. Yeah. So they want to keep a smaller engine on it, I guess. Smaller but it still engines. goes pretty fast. Yeah, and also smaller diesel tank. Mm-hmm. Um, which the idea, and, and we do this on our boat, we, we turn one engine on, and if, if the sea is fairly flat, and or if the waves are like at a good angle going with the boat, basically, then we'll turn off one engine, and then we'll, we'll motor on one engine, and it'll be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, if um, if if those conditions are not there, then we need to use both engines. So in in those cases, like for a performance cruising boat, because the way the boat is designed, you can basically with a smaller engine, lighter engine, you can go as fast or even a little bit faster on one engine, or you know potentially with both engines. The limitation will be that uh, we have like a big. Uh, two diesel tanks that are pretty large um, and on a performance cruising boats they'll have smaller ones mm-hmm. so as long as the conditions allow you to motor on one engine you'll still have plenty of like range uh, but if you needed to turn both engines for a long period of time that will be the limitation mm-hmm. yeah exactly and what about any of the um you know, let's talk about guests for a minute because that's kind of, I think when we set out, we were thinking, you know, lots of people would come and you were like, okay, everybody needs their own head. Um, and you know, that's not really been the case. I don't know that that's necessarily, I think back to your point, I think people would just be happy to visit us on a boat anyway, especially now that people, no, not a lot of people are traveling. They want to travel. So, um, you know, that was one thing I think that I was pretty concerned about is being able to host people. Mm-hmm. In reality, it's not really that. It, well, yeah, it's sort of us, right? You have to look really at percentages mm-hmm. and be like, okay, we hope to host more people in the future. COVID played a role. We are like in Europe that plays a role. The logistics of getting people on a boat and then drop them is definitely uh, tricky because they need to plan in advance and we need we don't know where we're going to be in advance so so there is all that that you know the idea of like hosting people is great we want people to come visit like friends family but there is definitely logistics involved in all that having said all that you know you have to also be realistic like you're buying a boat for yourself and you're going to be leaving the two of you in our case like 98% of the time yeah. or at least you know so to make decisions based on this like 5% or 2% or whatever um, then you have to say okay if there's only you know performance cruising boat won't have two ahead so you know I'm going to assume it's similar uh, concept as ours you have the honors hall so the whole hall for the owner with bathroom and uh, the cabin and the desk whatever storage and cabinet and you have two other cabins in our case each cabin has a shower and a head and it's nice if you have guests and they each have their own <laughs> bathroom like you know it's this very nice but you could have for weight saving purposes yeah. Two cabins and one shower, I'm one sh- head. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure it's necessary. I think, yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. And I think I think that's what's interesting after living on a boat, you know, for the time that we have is, is really understanding what it is that's necessary and what it is that's nice to have. And sometimes it, it seems nice to have, but that's not actually how you 
live with it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, I think that's one yeah. thing that we're learning. And, and as I'm talking about percentages, I can hear people thinking, well, you are at anchor 90 plus percent of the time. So why? Yeah, why do you need to sell so much? Oh, I'm like, helping what's, you. Yeah, yeah. I'm what's giving <laughs> you arguments. And, and, and that's true. That's a very valid point. But then I could say also, well, like there are people always in a little sailboat next to us. They're enjoying the same scenery. <laughs> little and, tiny boat, and yeah. And you can also travel with like a tiny, simple boat. So I think the the arguments uh, re- about you know safety, about the the comfort of cruising in double digit speeds, um, you know, all these things remain valid. You might do it five percent of the time, um, or it depends. I mean, some people might do a sabbatical for a year, or they want to go around the world for three years. Then you're going to be moving. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like you have to go quicker in that case, right? If you have, you know, one or two years and you want to do a circumnavigation, um, that's a lot of sailing oh, circumnavigation, all at once. I would say like it's even a semi- three years yeah. uh, or you do a one-year sabbatical and something. But, you know, so um, it's, it's... But you're not sitting at anchor like we do for weeks on end. I mean, you're, yeah. you're moving, right? And so people would say like, well, same thing for the type of cruising we do. Like you don't need a performance cruising boat. But I think the arguments that I laid out are still valid. Uh, there, there is, um, you know, you you might not need it. Like obviously, when you're at anchor, and you might say, "Oh, I'd love to have a bigger cockpit or be like bigger salon," or, but we, you will have basically all the same stuff. The things that you will not have is, you might buy two standard paddle boards, and you might buy like a dinghy with a twenty uh, horsepower engine. We or, met people that have um, kayaks. Two uh, kayaks. kayaks and, yeah. and, and, you know, so if you, you're going to use those every day and that's important for you and you don't want to compromise, then then either you buy performance cruising boat, but it's bigger. <laughs> yeah. And then you can, like, the, but, then you can load more budget stuff no on it. option, yeah. Uh, but if not, then yes, you, you know, so. And, and that's why I think it's a very complex topic. Yeah. That doesn't come, you cannot come to the conclusion of these by just looking Seeing at specs, yeah. just by looking at specs on the internet, or by just going to a boat show. Because when you're looking at the boat, when you're going to a boat show, the boat show gives you the the home argument. You know, like it the, does. the space, the comfort. It doesn't give you. I mean, the sales guy, the broker, whatever, might give you the the sales speech for like the performance of the boat, but. Uh, and there are weird things, you know, like uh, the boats that they show at the boat shows are specifically to leave that impression with you. Um, it's not to say that, you know, they do it nefariously. It's just, it's just, you know, it's like they put their best foot forward. And there are things that you would never know if you weren't on the boat, like where a handrail is, like why it's weird that it's here and not there. Or... Um, you know, working like just just the way you go through the boat and where you stub your toes and where you um, you know wish you would have had this over here instead of that over there. These aren't things you know. You have to you have to kind of force yourself to look at it in terms of you know the practicality of how you would live on the boat, which isn't always you know kind of taking a pass or two through a boat at a boat show. You, 
you can't really get a full feeling for it. No, no, no. You, you have to really go beyond the website, looking at the specs. You have to go beyond the boat show. Yeah. Uh, you, you really have to kind of, as a couple, uh, to go talk to... Uh, cruisers, yeah. like contact people and like We were us. lucky we got to do that with the owner's group. Um, yeah, but then you're already committed. You're like, you're already like part of the owners because there are groups that are private uh, and you could go to a Fountain Peugeot um, group. Or any open. manufacturer for that yeah. matter. Yeah. And, and there's some groups that are open and you can ask questions. If people, you know, if you're looking at some boats and they're kind of uh, active on social media, like reach to them, reach to us. Like we can answer, share. Everybody is always willing to talk about their own boat. Yeah, because everybody's been, they know the struggle, you know, yes. between comfort and performance. And these are debates that have happened on many boats, I think. Yeah, and, um, and you know, this is a topic on our boat also because we meet other cruisers and they have different boats, different needs, different requirements, and we learn and then we question ourselves. And so... you. You really have to go on, onto these social groups. You contact people, go on docks, go to marinas and find people. Yeah, we've done that. Who just have, chatting with people. Yeah, just to find similar boats and and be like, you know, tell me the, what you love and three and things what you, you hate. love, three things you hate. That's yeah. a common question. Go for find us, those yeah. owners, like you know. So do and then and then charter yourself the boat and then go if through can, this yeah. process as a couple because. It's 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 a complex topic, yeah. And you're going to be able to have to come up to that conclusion to what is the right boat for you, what you think the right boat is for you together, and and hopefully you you'll think that's the that's the right boat. Yeah, I definitely end. think that this is a, a kind of a conversation. It's not a one-time conversation either. It's like you know, make sure you're on the same page about what you're willing to trade off, so that when you make a decision. You know that you know you've you've kind of gone through that thought process, um, and I think the analogy that sticks for me because I have a I have a love for nice cars like you know that's just you have you weren't that way you kind of had the same car for a long time mm -hmm. I was like really this is the yeah, car you're driving when we started dating I was dating. like well, Cara, I was like what's up you, with your car let's go to point A to point B you had the window windshield yeah, the, the windows the handle windows that I got in the car is like what the heck which became cool. <laughs> because like my daughter and her friends had no idea how to open the window, like, and that was they were like, "This is so cool." You're so, so. It's so out, it's in. Okay, yeah, so anyway, I have a I have a love for nice cars. So I remember having a dilemma, you know, in my own kind of just for an analogy, so I really wanted a convertible, but I had two kids, right? So you know, and I would commute, and you know, I was working too, and I was like, "Wow!" But I was coming from a minivan, right? And so, like, in the minivan, you, you can fit as much stuff as you want. You're not going to, you know, it's not like it's a minivan. That's what it's for. And you know you're not going to necessarily, you know, get as much joy as you would out of a convertible, say. Um, but, you know, you make a decision. You make a set of trade-offs, and, and that's how it is. When you start getting close to some kind of combined version where you get the best of both worlds, and I'm just going to pull this out, out, of, out of my hat here, you know, you're in the you're in kind of the price range. You know, if you're if you're comparing a, a BMW convertible against a you know fully loaded minivan, you know when you can kind of get the best of both worlds, you're talking about a Range Rover or something like this that is just like way more expensive. So this is the same dilemma I think with boats is you know to get the the absolute compromise you need. You know, it's just a different budget envelope. 
Um, so, you know, at least where we are in our kind of, you know, world of budget we live in, you know, we have to make these kinds of, you know, you're just going to be trading things off. And it's just really important to know what those trade-offs are. I think back to the original point. Yeah. And to remember the best boat is the boat you have. Yeah. <laughs> Before, and we've heard this from uh, people who've been in this business for a long time, before people would buy a small boat and then a bigger boat or like a fast boat and they will go and then they will buy maybe like it's their seventh or eighth boat. So they really are like expert kind of like uh, into At, what they want right. and what they tried. And But nowadays it's more, I quit my job, I sell my house I buy my dream boat and I'm going to be well for on some boat. people. No, 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 I mean I yeah. generalize. Yeah, it's yeah. like you know. So, so it's um, you know when you go to a boat show, you can sell the space comfort. It's you cannot sell the performance, performance because you're inside. you're not actually taking people yeah. on on so, rides on the boats mostly. So yeah. that's that's why we're saying have that conversation. Understand what performance cruising mean. Or if your spouse yeah. is like, no, no, no boats. performance, yeah. you know, the performance cruising, and we, we haven't sailed those boats, eh? but the performance cruising is also like, you know, if you're reefed and the boat is moving nicely without effort and behaves well, like it's not hobby horsing, like yeah. going up and down the waves like as much, then, you know, your spouse that might say, oh, we don't need a fast boat, but at the same time, it'll be like, oh, this is a more comfortable boat that's mm -hmm. moving, you know, and that'll be uh, better for everybody. So, And I want to take it in the other direction, too, which is, you know, when we set out and we were like, okay, we're going we're gonna to shoot for the moon on a catamaran. That's That was kind of how we just went about doing it. We were like, Let, let's put our dream boat down on paper and build a financial plan around it. Um, there's also the option to go the other direction. You know, it, it may be that you you decide, you know, you actually would enjoy sailing a monohull better and, and, you know, use monohull that's already gone around the world once or twice that has everything on it. So you don't have to deal with, you know, putting everything on it. You just have to deal with maintaining it and, and the initial refit. So, I mean, there could be an argument made in many different directions. So I don't want to leave people with the impression that, you know, Once you have one boat, you want a different boat. That's not what we're really trying to say. What we're trying to say is if it's your first time buying a boat, make sure that you've had a discussion. And it's the two of you and you intend to live on it. And you're debating, you know, whether comfort or performance are more important. It's just really important to have these conversations, you know, first. Yeah, to understand the concepts. And, yeah. uh, and then there is no other way than to experience it. Yeah. So charter one of those boats. Um, contact those owners I mean I don't know of any charter company that offers like an Otremere though like or some of these other boats a gunboat like no that's not happening no, we're not talking a yeah, gunboat but Otremere um, yeah it might be uh, difficult so but you know try to talk to the broker and find a or way owners. to do uh, yeah. or owners yeah contact people but you, you need to experience the performance cruising side so then you can find where on the spectrum Uh, we are mm -hmm. and what are you willing to compromise but uh, you need to have the experience of both as a couple to be able to eventually come up to the mm -hmm. what the right boat is mm -hmm. so that's our advice for for today and probably a common theme throughout our podcast is um, you know just talking it through with your spouse really kind of thinking through ahead of time um, putting on paper kind of a list of pros and cons 
and rank them. Rank them, the yeah, yeah, and and debate it at home, um, you know, and kind of make sure you get as much information as you can. I said this before, but I'll say it again. People who have boats, everybody we've met are, you know, it's like the door's wide open. People want to talk about it and want to want to share what they like and don't like. Would be more than happy to give you a ride on their boat. Um, you know, the whole community's been amazing. Mm-hmm. So good. So if you are interested and you have any follow-up questions, make sure to drop us a note on sailingowen at gmail.com. Um, or leave us a comment or share the podcast with someone that you think needs to hear it. Fair winds for now. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. (laughs) 